come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me. And pay your dues, and <laughs> I almost started a different show. Pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by Pete. And PJ. Welcome, um, PJ. Thanks. Welcome, Pete. I cannot turn the music down. <laughs> I was going to say, that was a crazy intro for many reasons. First of all, I I think I started to say, and welcome to the Rolling Stone studs. <laughs> Because uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded, and that was enough for me to forget what series we're in. And then also, I was losing track of where I was because I could no longer hear my own voice back in my cans. You know, so the song was so loud. This time, for for weeks and weeks and weeks, I've been trying to use my iPad instead of my phone to play music on it. Yeah. And I finally figured out a way to do it, but uh, I guess the downside is this is as quiet as the music goes. <laughs> Can you see? Which is pretty loud. I mean, it's great uh, to listen to, but it's just hard to talk over. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. That's the problem with the music it's we play tough. on the show. Great to listen to, hard to talk over. Well, maybe our listeners would enjoy that, because sometimes I <laughs> we might do a little too much talking over the music. Is you know... It, it, sometimes there's just full conversations happening, and then it's like, and that song was okay, and then we move on. <laughs> But then sometimes we say nothing about it, and people are like, oh, you had audio issues. It's like, no, we just didn't have anything to say about that song. Yeah, there's just not a lot to say. Speaking of, hey, we're getting to Amy Winehouse. Hey. (laughs) Just kidding. Hopefully Back to Black is good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Well, welcome to the show. It's we are, look, the end is in sight. The 27 Club is coming to an end there will be no more members very soon uh obviously since harry styles missed it if post malone missed it i think it i think we can officially say the 27 club has died um Um, post malone hasn't missed it yet there's still an opportunity i know i'm saying if if he does i think we can officially say every artist who could conceivably keep the 27 club alive has disappeared or has yeah. has missed their time. Although I wonder, you know, we went from 1994 with Kurt, Kurt Cobain's death to 2011 with Amy Winehouse. So maybe you know, 2011. What is it? That's almost that's 16 years or yeah. so, or 17 years. So we um we have a ways, I guess, from 2011. We got to wait till 2038 before yeah, we I'm can officially the declare. Before we can officially declare the 27 Club Dunzo. And it was almost what? It was almost twenty years to Kirk, right? From it was more than twenty years. Thirty. From it was 30 Jim years. Morrison. Oh, I guess it was. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like it was seventy-two, years? so twenty-two years, I think. Yeah. So, um, so we got a ways. We can. We can. I. I the twenty-seven. It's got legs, PJ. <laughs> it does. It does. Have <laughs> It'll legs. stick around um, in the public consciousness for a while, uh, and we'll. I. It's almost too morbid to say but we'll get another star in there someday (laughs) get some more star podcasters up in heaven let's see who (laughs) let's see who the most recent uh 27 club member is according to the wikipedia page yes i actually looked this up because i was gonna say amy winehouse is like the most recent famous member but really i would say so there is we there's no way to cover him on this show because we don't do movies only music um but Anton Yelchin, Anton Yelchin died in yeah. 2016 or something, I want to say, 2015, uh, somewhere 2016. in there. Yeah. 
So, but um, obviously actor only. He didn't do the Bruce Willis and start out with the jazz album. Um, and then, uh, I, oh, go ahead. He, Bruce Willis did not start out with a jazz album. Yeah, that was how he broke into the entertainment business. He said, "I'm a jazz, I'm a jazz man." And they Bruno said, "How returns. about you? Yeah, how about you take your scatting to the silver screen, buddy?" And he said, "All right." Huh? He was Is that the what first. Amy Winehouse was trying to do with this album. He was the original rapper turned actor. He was originally um, rapping that scat over jazz, and then he starred as Mr. John McCain. <laughs> the Maverick. Dr. Um, Policeman John McCain. <laughs> um, according to the Wikipedia page, um, the most recent one was uh, July 12th, 2020. Benjamin Keough, Elvis, mm. Elvis Presley's grandson and son mm. of Lisa Marie Presley. Yes. And brother of Riley Keough. I've never heard of him, and he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. But his yeah, brother, that doesn't, or his I, sister does. Yeah, it has to literally only be because of the Elvis connection that that is even on there, right? I would guess so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think he's an artist or anything. So, oh, Pete, here's a fun thing: <laughs> you can, um, you can sort it by their age in days on uh, this Whoa. list. Let's see who to find the, the youngest and was. oldest member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone who died the day before their 28th birthday? There's 27 years, 363 days. That's pretty damn close. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty damn close. Uh, Maria Serrano Serrano. And Pete Ham is second on the list with 27, 362 days. Wow, we did not... We didn't get to that on the bet. We missed out. That's the most important thing about Badfinger is it was almost his birthday. Damn near 28. Yeah. And then... uh, He made sure... Were Jimi Hendrix and Amy Winehouse? They're close, not the same. And then the youngest one was Richard Turner. Sure. Trumpet player, collaborator with Friendly Fires. I wonder what it says for Robert Johnson. 27 years, 100 days. I thought nobody really knew when he was born. Yeah, well, that's probably just based on, you know, whatever their estimate is. Yeah. Their guesstimate. Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just a that was a brief uh, stray into who's the oldest twenty seven club member. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, PJ, should we get to a quick a quick segment that we haven't done in a while on this show? But uh, I think there's a little bit of a serious XM chat that that needs to happen. <laughs> All right, on the road again. Yeah, serious, XM some serious XM chats. So it is a sad time in my household, PJ, because we got a new car, a second car. We still have uh, our original car, but we got a second car, and it doesn't have the hey. ability to play serious XM in it. And don't hey, don't hold out us on us, Pete. Name drop what model and you know. Brandon's. What model? Uh, it Make is a model. It is a uh, 2016 Mazda Miata. So nice. it's like just before they got the Sirius XM abilities. Um, Wait, are you are you joking with me? You got a Mazda no, Miata? I got a Mazda Miata. Oh yeah, it came up on our Paul episode for a second, and then we talked past it, and it was not worth going back for because I forgot what we were talking about. But you for real got a Miata? Yeah. I don't believe you. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Does that sound like something I wouldn't do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
Let me put it this way. A motorcycle was on the table, but then both crashing and Shelby doesn't like that. And then also it really rains pretty hard here for, you know, six months or so. Right. A year. So you so got something a little seem... smaller than a motorcycle. Yeah. A little smaller than a motorcycle, a little less practical. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, a little more drivable in the rain. Okay. Um, yeah, but it doesn't have the, it doesn't have Sirius XM. Sirius XM still tried to give me the free three months where they're like, you can just download the app on your phone and plug that in, which bullshit hey, i'm not no. using oh. i'm not using my precious data to, <laughs> to stream sirius xm in my car it's now, ridiculous. Now, now pete we've never tried to get a patreon or make money from the show really except for our um you know our ads through um the my pillow guy mm-hmm. of course yeah um, yeah we we diversify our uh, our income stream you know off podcast we really mm-hmm. yeah we try and keep yep. this sort of clean as it were yeah, but um, I was thinking maybe we should like do a Kickstarter or something or GoFundMe to try to get you the slightly a radio nicer that plays Sirius yeah, XM, yeah. yeah, the slightly nicer Miata that is able to do Sirius yeah, XM, like yeah. a 2018 maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it was kind of an accident. I just didn't really consider that it wouldn't play Sirius uh, until after I bought it, and so I was a little bit disappointed. But then PJ. I was excited because it has now become the first car I've owned in several several years that has a CD player installed. Mm. And then I thought, you know what? Instead of Sirius XM, I'm going to have analog Sirius XM. And I went to Goodwill, my local Goodwill, Ooh. and bought me Classic Rock 1967, a 20-song <laughs> CD put out by Time Life. Of course, of, of course. 20 classic rock songs from 1967 to scratch that, you know, 60s on, well, not anymore, but 60s yeah. on 6 itch. It's always 60s on 6 to me. Um, So, PJ, I'm I'm curious. Would you like to guess and or just hear the track listing for this 1967 classic rock time life music I, I need to collection? know a little bit more information because... I'd be happy to give it. It... How did they sort it? What is it sorted by? Any particular? It appears to just be in order of how they wanted the like playlist to go. I do not believe okay. that it's in order of where they charted or order of when it was released or alphabetical order or anything. I think it's just someone put together this track listing in a manner they thought was was good, basically. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of songs that came out in 67. I'm going to make a wild assumption here. No Beatles on it. You are correct. No Beatles. Probably Time Life had to license this, I would guess. Yeah. Well, it's also put out by Warner, I guess, with Time Life. So I would guess it's all the shit. Yeah, but obviously not the Beatles, and why would they pay for that? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Is Ruby Tuesday on it? Ruby Tuesday is not on it. Again, Either too expensive. I don't know if that would be yeah. under the Warner umbrella. I forget where Rolling the Rolling Stones have ended up. Um, Ruby Tuesday not on it. Uh, would you like to hear the first artist? Yes, Jefferson Airplane. Somebody to love. Correct. <laughs> Somebody to love. It starts it off, and then apropos to this show, the second song is "The Letter" by the Box Tops. Sung oh. by Alex Chilton, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a 67 song. Yeah, which I did not realize, by the way, I 
listen to that song for this show and I don't know why just only listening to it on this CD finally put together because it has the little track time display on my you know CD player in the car and it's a like one minute and 40 second song it is an incredibly short song yeah however the Joe Cocker version is a little spread out yeah. Well, Which is he's good at doing that. Version, let's be. He took yeah. he took all those Abbey Road uh uh medleys and broke them apart into full songs. So, yeah. Smart man. Yeah. I like this game. You give me an artist, I'll tell you what song it is. Okay, the next song is by The Turtles. Oh. I will say I knew this song. I did not know The Turtles sang it. Yeah. It's a huge hit. Yeah. I would turtles... have guessed maybe The Zombies or The Monkeys if you had just played the song for me. I'm unfamiliar I, with the turtles, I guess. I they, they're a one-hit wonder. Yeah. And what is I know it's I've definitely listened to it before. <laughs> so happy together. Happy together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Imagine me and you. Which has been stuck in my head cuz it's in a car commercial right now, some really shitty cover uh, of it. Uh not that that song is that great to be honest, but I like that song. And then we have uh a song by the Mamas and the Papas. 67 Mamas and the Papas, huh? Yeah, this is not one I was familiar with. Shelby said it's a TikTok song now, so... Uh, oh, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah, um, but it helps her. It's PJ, I've learned my my old music taste is apparently very relevant on, on TikTok these days. I'm uh, apparently this but song... Um, there's a lot of old kind of rock and soul songs that are really big. I yeah, think I'm assuming it's for a dance, but there's the one. Um, oh shit! What is it? It's by the. It's the. He hit me and it. I think it's he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Maybe it's something like that from that era. Um, is really big. And then there was, there was a song another that got one. really big that I was like, oh, that's a great song. Oh, um, uh, by um, Edison Lighthouse. Um, oh yeah. Rose. Love, love grows where my rosemary yeah, goes. Yeah, that's a uh, incredible uh, song. It's a great song. Apparently, it got really big on TikTok. Uh, there we go. While back, young these young people these days, PJ, they're learning good music. They sure are. I have no idea what Mamas and the Papas song came out in. It's sixty-seven. Dedicated to the one I love. This one goes out to <laughs> the one I love. Exactly. I know that one. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a song by the Supremes. Ooh. Yeah, they, it, there's probably 15 famous Supreme songs from 1967. but I'm tr- It's probably the most famous one, but what I think is the most famous one and what somebody else thinks is the most famous one is probably very different. Yeah. Um, Supremes, huh? Yeah. It's a toughie. I actually need to double check. I think I forget which album this is off of. Because they had, I'm. I think, did Supremes a Go Go come out in 1966? Yes, I think so. Because that song has like six hits on it. Um, yeah. Okay. This one's the single from the Supremes sing Holland Dozer Holland, which was at least one of their 1967 albums. If that okay. helps you at all. Yeah, a Go Go was 66. I have no idea what it would be, my guy. <laughs> Also out in 67 was the Supreme Sing, Rogers and Hart, <laughs> which I actually probably would like a lot because yeah, I like some of those old Rogers and Hart songs. Okay. Um, Love is Here and Now You're Gone by the Supreme. Never in a million years would have fucking yeah. guessed that. 
And then we have the Young Rascals singing. I think they're also a one-hit wonder. I wouldn't have known who this song was by either. What song is it? I've never heard of them. Groovin'. Don't know the song either. Groovin' on a Sunday afternoon. Not familiar. That one with like, really? Okay. I think if you heard it, you would know it. And then we have a song by Jackie Wilson. Uh, Land of a Thousand Ounces? Nope. Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher and Fuck. Higher. Damn it. That was yeah. my second guess. Uh, and then Tommy James and the Shondells. I was not I familiar think with this alone one. Now. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles with. 67 Smokey Robinson. Yeah, it's a weird one. I have no concept of their timeline because they had hits until like the mid 70s. So, and like Tears of a Clown doesn't sound like a 60, it sounds like a 70s song to me. But anyway, um, it's I second that emotion. Hmm. Okay. And then we have another one hit wonder by Scott McKenzie. Scott McKenzie. Yeah, I'm curious if you'll know this. I know this because this is a huge song on Sirius XM, and also I have a little bit of affinity for it based on where I used to live. Oh, is it about San Francisco? It is. It's the song, San Francisco, Francisco. parentheses, be sure to wear flowers in your hair. Oh, okay. I've heard the song, not didn't know who it was by. I only know because it's on on Sirius all the time. Pretty, Pretty constantly, actually. Uh, and then we have Procol Harum, another arguably one-hit wonder, although I think people like them past the, the one song. but Procol Harum, huh? Yeah. I don't know. A Wider Shade of Pale. Don't know that song. Oh, really? Damn, okay. Man, you should, PJ, you should listen to the CD. <laughs> A Wider Shade of Pale is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's pretty incredible. Uh, and then we have Aretha Franklin. Oh, 67. Yeah, don't think too hard. <laughs> um, respect? Yep, respect. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then we have the Buckinghams. The Buckinghams. Yeah, with a song I'd never heard and I don't even remember now looking at this track listing. <laughs> it's called Kind, kind of, of a, a drag. drag. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did you know that? That one? I did know that one. Yeah, that wow. One, nice. It, so my sister, she got a CD player before I did because she's older. Yeah. And... Uh, they bought her, like, they weren't Time Life ones, but they bought mm. her, like, best of the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. And yeah. that song was on one of them. Um, nice. And I took all those CDs because she didn't want them. Yeah. They also bought her a Hillary Duff CD because her name is Hillary. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect reason to get a Hillary Duff CD. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a song by uh, Por- oh, Foggy Old Portland Town's own, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, yeah. Oh, what is Wider the one shade fucking of song they do? Paul Revere and the Raiders. I actually would say they have like three or four hits, and this is just just one of them. It's maybe their most famous, although I I don't know. You're gonna have to hit me with that song. It's called Good Thing. Don't know it. Yeah, it's I would say Kicks, I think, is more famous personally, but Okay. Maybe so I'm yeah, wrong. this is just songs they owned already, and we're like, yeah, yeah. let's fucking throw them on a CD. hundred percent. Is the gra- are the grassroots on there at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Yeah, Wider Shade of Pale is pretty, pretty much good a, per- a perfect song. Uh, and then I'm going to give you the song, and, and uh, you can guess the artist in 1967. Okay. It's I Heard It Through the Grapevine, but who did they get singing it for this Time Life collection? I wonder if... It's a famous one, but it's not 
you know, one of it, the most the famous C versions. So it's not the CCR. It's not CCR. I think that's a little late. I think that might be 68. Or that's maybe what I was 69. thinking. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, it's not Marvin Gaye. I think that's a little earlier. I think that's 65 yeah. or 66. Him and yeah. Or just him doing it alone. Yeah. Who the fuck covered that in 67? Have I heard of this person? I would think so. But you also hadn't heard Wider Shade of Pale, so. <laughs> that's true. Uh, it's Gladys Knight and the Pips. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know that I've heard their version of that. It's all right. It's you know Gladys Knight and the Pips are great, but every time I hear, I I don't know, I just don't like them quite as much as everyone else from the era. Kind of. Yeah. All the other great soul acts from that from that era. I do love the name of the band. Yes. Uh, then we have Wilson Pickett with. You could take your pick, but yeah, I, I don't. There's a well, million I already Wilson said Pickett songs. I said Land of a Thousand Dads. Yeah, it's not that one. And that was wrong. Yeah, and it's not his other really famous one, uh, which it, is... <laughs> no, I'm, no, I can't think of the name. Uh, what was the other one you said it was? Whatever. Funky Broadway? It is Funky Broadway, yeah. By Wilson Pickett. The other one we were talking about was I Second That Emotion by Smokey Robinson, That's right. I think. Uh, and then we have another, I think, one-hit wonder, uh... A song by Strawberry Alarm Clock. Incense and Peppermints. Correct. And then we have a song. I didn't know who sang this, but this is a very famous song. Uh, but a Light song by... Fire. No, a song by Arthur Conley. Ooh. But the song itself, I've heard a lot. No, I don't know name... if I know a different cover. Arthur Conley. Actually, yeah, let me look it up because I know it from my Atlantic like record history thing. Yeah. What am I trying to say? My like collection of Atlantic soul singles, and so I wonder if it's the same version or not. Arthur Conley. What? There, I know I have a song on my iTunes by him. I don't have the whole album. Is it? Um, yeah. It's probably it's this a one. Really generic soul music. Yeah, sweet soul, soul music. Oh. And yes, that was on Atlantic because I have the Arthur Conley version in my iTunes. Yeah, Sweet Soul Music, one of the early, along with Lee Moses's, oh, I forget the name of that song, but an early Lee Moses song that um, kind of predates the hip-hop thing where it's all them calling out and or, yeah, yeah, a bunch of other soul singers and all that. So, and then, okay, we're almost done here. Another right, one-hit right, wonder right. by the Electric Prunes. Nope. I'd never heard this song before. I had too much to dream last night never heard of it it's not very good <laughs> <laughs> and then another song i barely know by the music explosion terrible name for a band yeah i'm assuming yeah. another one hit wonder little bit of soul and then we end with two pretty big ones we have the four tops oh um which i did not realize this song was this old i thought this song was from the 70s tops. for some reason so what i don't know they if do? that makes a difference Maybe just the another versions from. Let me look it up. The four tops. Yeah. I keep thinking the box tops, and that's throwing me off. Mm, yeah. I'm going to use my lifeline and look at the <laughs> one I think four top song I have in my iTunes. Yeah, go for it. It's it's I think probably this one, unless I really don't know the four tops. Oh, I can't help myself. No, actually. Bunch? Okay. No, it is Bernadette. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. This is why I was thinking this. It went to 
it was a huge hit on release. It went to number four and then was re-released in 1972 and reached number 23 on the charts. Okay. So for some reason, I think I had heard that and but forgot that it first came out in the 60s because I always thought it was from the early 70s. Anyway, hmm. and then we end with a song by the Monkees. Oh, my, my first guess is Daydream Believer, but... I'm not right in that, am I? First guess, best guess. It's Daydream Believer. Is it Daydream Believer? Man, okay. Yeah. I was thinking that was earlier. I I have no fucking clue. 67. I don't know the monkeys really at all outside of the the two or three big hits. So I mean, nobody really knows the monkeys. Yeah. So that's it. It's it's an all right album. The the one hit wonders. Almost none of them that I've heard or that I hadn't heard before were good. I have to say, okay. like. Pete, I'll went, mail you a CD with my best hits of 67. See, I want, I would love that. And then I also ended up, I actually realized because now I'm kind of getting back into CDs again, I need to get an external CD drive for my laptop so I can put these on my iTunes. But after that one got old pretty quick because the, the songs that I'd heard before I'd already heard a million times. And then the ones yeah. I hadn't heard were not that good. So then I ended up hopping on Amazon and CDs are dirt cheap. So I ordered two different three disc sets for like $9 each of 60s soul, uh, which are awesome. And it's like, you know, 60 or 70 songs on those. And so I'm moving through those now with some hopefully deeper cuts on 60s soul. So having a CD player in a, in my car was like the reason I got into albums. Yeah. Like I, I pretty much, I think I got, a car with a CD player that like actually worked it, when I was like a junior in high school. And before that I would like, you know, listen to songs and best ofs and stuff. Yeah. And like, I'd listen to all the Beatles albums all the way through and like a few other famous ones, but like getting CDs and playing those like in my car is how I got into listening to CDs and not just like skipping to songs I liked. Yeah. 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 I agree. But like, what's interesting for me is that because it's nice having a CD player again, but I'm not really looking to like be listening to new music that way. Like in high school, I obviously did. I would go to our local yeah. <laughs> Hastings uh, entertainment store and buy you CDs for $5 all the time. But I don't really want to put together a huge collection of CDs again. And so, yeah, I was jumping for like, let me just get a massive like best of thing instead of just keeping yeah. one album in here. But we'll see. We'll see how much I get back into them. <laughs> There, it's a good time to be yeah. buying CDs, like I said. Yeah. Literally you know, nobody wants them, so. Which is great yeah. because, like, you know, vinyls kind of come back. Right. Yeah. I Cassettes mean, had I their little resurgence for a minute. Yeah. I don't know if they're still, I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> CDs are just like, you don't, I don't know. They're dumb. But yeah. I also like them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Here's it's, my thing with cassettes. I fucking hate people that got back into cassettes because cassettes sound like shit. Yeah. Is that you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went through a hipster cassette phase. Here's here's what I will say about cassettes that I think was valuable. Like, yes, the sound quality is terrible, but there were two things about cassettes that were really great. First of all, um, even compared to CDs, it's a much more analog music experience. Like you're having to physically yeah. flip it. You're having to sometimes physically or even just with the button, like you rewind them. All of that, especially if you're using like a Walkman in your car. A lot of times it's all pretty automated. But so that part I liked. And then the other part that I liked too was it was around the same time I was getting into vinyl and putting together a stereo. 
So I had the old school like double cassette deck where I could make mixtapes and like figuring out how to do all of that compared to making a mix CD. It's really fun. And it was fun to figure out like how to put a song from a record onto a tape and, you know, doing all that for me growing up after that tech was gone as a kid. It was really fun to kind of figure out in college and the couple years after and and have some fun doing that. So Hmm. that was super fun. I I do honestly admit like putting together an actual mixtape was fun because it would take like four hours. And if you messed up, you'd have to start over. And so it was just weirdly fun. And I will say I actually love I really like sometimes really shitty quality music. And so to some degree, listening on cassette was really fun to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my favorite is speaking of <laughs> old soul, like B sides and rarities. I love old songs where they mess up on the recording and stuff like that. And so somehow like listening to old music like that on a cassette deck where then the sound quality was kind of shit too. It just kind of all made it feel like it was working together to be this like more unique kind of, well, more unique isn't a thing, but a unique listening experience. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm not I'm not going back to them in any way, <laughs> but they were they not, were fun. I think they're more fun than CDs, honestly. Like if you're gonna choose, uh, like an older tech like that to get back into music wise, well, I think well, they're more fun. Well, my thing is like go back to vinyl if you're. Well, yeah, obviously. Anything. But then like, you know, there's no reason to go back to tapes in my opinion because like yeah. if you're already going back to vinyl, you already have like the I don't want to say coolest, but the coolest form of like listening yeah. to music, I think. But then like for convenience, like if you're going to play it in a car, why tapes? Why not just CDs? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I well sh- should say that I have a car right now that only has a tape player. In I was going to say my first couple of cars only had the cassette deck. So I would occasionally listen to cassettes or like mix cassettes and then mix tapes. And then also, you know, had the cassette with the yeah. iPod cord coming out. So, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. I tried to do that in my... So I've got a truck and a car right now. My truck does CDs and stuff. And then my car, um, it's a 1966 Mustang. Um, oh, yeah. It only has a tape player. And it only I tried has an to do track. the tape. Yeah. <laughs> I can't oh, believe it has a tape sick. player. So what did they update the radio in the 70s or 80s? I think they did. That's wild. Um, and, uh, it, but it's like designed to look like the stock one. Interesting. Um, That's but it also fun. like, it's so know. garbled every time you put yeah, a tape yeah. in. It's very funny. Interesting. Well, PJ, I'll dig out some of my old cassettes that I still have and, and ship them to you so you have something to listen to. No need. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's been Sirius XM chat. <laughs> <laughs> the longest segment we have 30, ever done. 30 minutes into the show. You know, I was a little nervous because we don't have like a ton to talk about with Amy Winehouse, and I was nervous about yeah. this being a shorter episode. And turns out nah. you just start talking about cassettes and 60s soul, and I'll be here for two hours. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This one's going to be one of the longer ones. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get let's get into Amy Winehouse. I'd love to get so, into Amy Winehouse. So I guess Kirk was really the newest artist we'd ever discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amy Winehouse is like even more than I mean, the, definitely, yeah. really the only two thousands music we've ever talked about, except for those couple of Stones records that came out in the two thousands. I think they had a bigger about. bang and Blue and Lonesome or whatever. So yeah. Um, so she's really kind of our first foray into actual like modern music. Cause even, you know, the Nirvana was obviously somewhat 
modern. They invented a genre, but it's still kind of, you know, white guys doing rock. So, uh, yeah. So here we are for with Amy. Um, so remember, interestingly, remember how Kirk, even though he was so new and such, you know, in the 90s, it's so modern. He was even born, though, in 1967. Um, was it was he born the day Brian Jones died or was he conceived the day Brian Jones died? I forget. <laughs> I forget you know, what happened to Kurt Cobain's yeah, parents there. I think it was conceived. I think they maybe. were, yeah, they were so horny. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. About the death of Brian Jones and that new Stones album coming out. That yeah. Um. So, but Amy Winehouse was born almost 20 years later in 1983, uh, in Enfield, a suburb of London. Um. She's so British. She is British. She is also Jewish. Uh, which ah. brings to mind, I think she's the first Jewish recording artist we've ever talked about. I'm not 100% sure on that, and I might be missing something obvious, but I think she is the first. I think she is. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Um, none of those Beach Boys were. None of the Stones Definitely were. none of the Beach Boys are Stones, and so then it's like any of the 27 Club, but not that I I think we would have probably talked yeah. about it. So, yeah, our first Jewish artist. Thank uh, God for that but, Wikipedia, you know, yeah. uh, heritage section. She kind of grew up. It's funny. It's kind of the first time I've heard of a Jewish person uh, or, like, growing up like this. I feel like usually it's either more religious or it's just, like, culturally Jewish where you're not really involved in the religion aspect. But she really grew up like a lot of Catholics you hear about where they went to Sunday school and synagogue once a year during Yom Kippur but didn't really pay attention to their religion aside from that so hmm. okay she apparently hated sunday school don't know why that's important for wikipedia to note but it's true all right amy yeah fucking sinner <laughs> anyway also uh, also being the newest artist with kirk kind of had some similarities in her younger life to kirk so she also had a lot of relatives who were in the music industry and were mu- professional musicians um and kirk same as kirk also like a lot who are into jazz and everything and played saxophone and trumpet and stuff like that so it's really interesting and then also her parents got divorced when she was nine uh although their divorce was a lot more amicable and i think she stayed close with both parents at least her dad she stayed really close with um until she like started yeah into her career at least and so a little bit a little bit better upbringing than kirk's but just kind of interesting uh similarities so when she was a little kid, when she was getting into music, it was a lot of jazz, and Frank Sinatra especially was like their family artist who they loved. So she grew up listening to that. When she was 10, she went to a theater school to study singing and tap dance. Uh, she stayed mm. there until she was 14. During that, she started her first band with a friend, uh, which was a rap group inspired by TLC and salt and Peppa. <laughs> cool. And their name was Sweet and Sour. Oh, I wonder where they got the inspiration for that name <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, and then she bounced around to a bunch of other schools until dropping out at 16. So she went to another theater school, but left pretty quickly. It was a rumor when she got famous that she got expelled because she got a nose piercing, was too rebellious and all that. But the headmaster and her dad said, that's not true. Hmm. So... Also, just unclear why, but then after that, she went to like three different schools in the next two years before dropping out, and I'm not sure if they moved around a lot or if she was just not interested in school or what, but 
Um, so around when she was like 14, 15, she got her own guitar and started writing her own songs. Uh, she was really influenced, as I said, by Frank Sinatra, and then as well as female soul singers like Dina Washington and Sarah Vaughn. Ah, so, all names yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're two uh, black soul singers from the 50s and 60s. Makes sense. Yeah. Are uh, they on your little uh, 60 best of 67? Not, not that I found yet. Maybe on maybe on disc three. Uh, speaking of, it's fun getting those weird compilation CDs because they're just so much made for old people. Like one of them's yeah. called America's Heartbeat, and it's like it wasn't. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was kind of, but also in the 60s, I don't think you can say that. Unfortunately, no. any music by african-american artists was quote-unquote america's heartbeat and then the cover is like a collage in a heart shape it's just ridiculous <laughs> and then all the cds do the fun thing where it's they're like little vinyl discs but cds oh, you know how yeah. cute you yeah know. anyway um so she started singing professionally around when she was like 16 17 and a couple local groups one called the bolsha band ah don't know is this why. when she joined the quarryman <laughs> yeah exactly yeah she got really into jazz and skiffle yeah uh and then she also started writing articles for something called the world entertainment news network that covered like music and entertainment news and stuff so i don't i don't know what this up with that um she was the featured vocalist for the national youth jazz orchestra when she was 17 oh yeah all interesting so she had another, uh, her best friend at the time was another up-and-coming kind of soul R&B singer named Tyler James, um, who took her demo tapes to a label person that had signed him. And so she got signed off of that with a company owned by a guy named Simon Fuller, who I don't know, we will see how much he comes up later in her story, but she's at least signed with him through the release of her first album. And he's an interesting guy in the music industry in the early 2000s. So he um, created Pop Idol, which was the British version of American Idol that then created yeah. American Idol later. So he created that uh, and then obviously American Idol later on. He created and managed the Spice Girls. Um, and so he had this really big reputation at the time. Uh, Amy Winehouse was kind of his next big person Okay. He had this reputation at the time for managing and like creating these kind of manufactured pop groups, you know, that the label just makes and uh, they get famous singing songs they didn't write and, and all that shit. So we'll get to it a little bit later after or when Frank is released, but there's a little bit of blowback uh, in terms of Amy because her whole thing is that she's so raw and real, but she's signed mm -hmm. with this guy who's like, yeah, started American Idol. So, and what was his name one more time? Simon Fuller. That's right. So also, a little bit of a shady businessman. I although I I assume this is what her contract said, but it's a weird way to start. So he signs her as like it to his management company, and she gets gigs singing on a bunch of records, but she's an uncredited vocalist and she's not allowed to be credited because he wants to like hide her name because he wants her to be like, he wants to either create her into whatever musician or group he wants, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, until then, it's she's, like, a secret singer, basically. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, at one point, there's this guy 
who met with a representative from Island Records and was playing him some jazz tracks that had Amy Winehouse on it because uh, mm-hmm. he was trying to get the other musicians signed. And the Island Records guy went, I don't care about that. Who's that singing? That's awesome. We want her. And the guy said, I'm not allowed to say like her contract is mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to share her name with the public, uh, which is crazy. So that this, wild. Yeah. yeah, so, but this Island Records guy was very, very taken with her and took several months tracking her down, trying to find out who she was and uh, how he could sign her. And so by the time he tracked her down, she'd apparently already signed her own deal with EMI to start singing, but Island bought that contract out because they had to have her. So they saw, mm-hmm. they, you know, we're hoping, we're hoping she'd be a star. Uh, apparently... She showed up to the first recording session. I think this is with Island. A little hard to find the timeline on some of this info. But she showed up to the first recording session with Island and impressed them, by the way, with this. They thought it was cool. Uh, Wearing jeans that had, quote, completely fallen apart with the words, I love Sinatra, embroidered on the ass. (laughs) Oh, so cool. Yeah. So they were like, this This chick knows what's up. This chick's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows who old Blue Eyes is. Boy, what was going on in like young? 2002 that this was so, I mean, the strokes were out by now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Amy Winehouse is bad music at all. It's just interesting that they're like trying to find like the quote unquote real music. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's there. The White Stripes mm-hmm. came out in 1999. Anyway. Um, so not a whole lot of info about this album's recording and production, uh, except there were a couple covers aside from that Amy was credited with co-writing or writing uh, all of the songs on the album. Okay. Uh, and so, which is interesting. And once again, like kind of goes against her, obviously her management and her management's reputation. Um, and then also, so for some, a little bit more background info, I found a very interesting um, observer, uh, which is a British publication profile of her from 2004, right before, or right after Frank comes out? Frank came out in 20, 2003, right? Yep. Yeah. So right after Frank comes out, and they're profiling her as this like weird up-and-coming artist who might be a star, might not be. So here's some interesting notes from that article. So first of all, they begin in like the second paragraph. It notes that, quote, like so many stars, she has a huge face perched on top of a tiny body, which really backs up our assertion that hey, big that head, little butt. Big head, little <laughs> 27 butt, yeah. club, baby. Someone from 2004 knew it just looking at her. Yeah. Verified. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know about Little Butt because they also reference later that she like sashays across the restaurant they're doing the interview in and every guy turns to stare at her ass. So it was also know. 2003 where they didn't like nice butts. They true. Were like, true. Ooh, so maybe any butt. Yes, please. Yeah. Exactly. They were like the Rolling Stones. They only liked flat asses. Um, so the article also notes her punk fuck you attitude uh, related to anyone who doubted her music, including people listening to it at a couple of concerts the person went to and her label, who, according to Amy, insisted on including certain tracks or certain mixes of tracks that Amy didn't like. So here's some things. These are a sn- This is how they lay it out. They just lay out these like five quotes one by one that came up throughout the conversation related to her label. Quote, Real quick. I oh, do have to. Yeah. Oh, please. Tiny, tiny, tiny butt. Tiny butt. Okay. I looked up Amy Winehouse butt and. So it was, it was just the 2000s, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So, quote, some things on this al- album make me go a place that's fucking bitter. <laughs> quote, wow. I've never heard the album from start to finish. Quote, I don't have it in my house. Quote, well, the marketing was fucked. The promotion was terrible. Everything was a shambles. And then the last one, it's frustrating because you work with so many idiots, but they're nice idiots. So you can't be like, you're an idiot. They know that they're idiots. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, and then one more longer one. I hate them fuckers, man. I've not seen anyone from the record company since the album came out. And I know why, because they're scared of me. They know I have no (laughs) respect for them. Look, I know it's a terrible thing for someone to say that they hate their own music. It's the worst thing you can do. My album isn't shit. If I heard someone else singing it, I would buy it in a heartbeat. So very interesting. And on the first album and yeah, just incredible, Uh, which apparently they followed up with her dad and her not uh, not the Simon Fuller guy, but her like island manager. And both of them apparently just laughed it off and were like, that's the Amy we love. <laughs> so <laughs> that which rules. is which is pretty great. Yeah. Um also it's This very... is also like cle- mm. like sorry, I just want to say no, no. this is like I think a lot of people have a picture of Amy Winehouse in their head. But like yeah. look up pictures of her from two thousand three, two thousand four. This was like before Yeah. Hmm. Before she kind of settled into her character i almost want to say for her that she yeah from back to black till she kind of died yeah there's this um terrible concert (laughs) called the strat pack it's (laughs) it's 50 years of the stratocaster and i always tell people so who's there john mayer eric clapton um eric clapton was there the eagles Mm. but not all of the eagles I think it was joe walsh and don henley separately of course but um i always point people to that as the reason I hate Joe Walsh and the Eagles mm. because he just sounds awful on it. It is yeah. the worst. I'll, I'll play a little bit of it in, in a minute. But Amy Winehouse is there too. This was like 2004. Nice. Okay. So like right after this album came out. And she's like very put together and like normal looking. She's yeah. playing an ugly red Stratocaster. <laughs> yeah. Fiesta Red, I believe they call it. Yeah. Anyway. I just wanted to get yeah. that in people's heads. Well, it's interesting to point that out because I think she also, like we were talking about with her ripped up jeans that she hand stitched. I love Sinatra yeah. on like, she's kind of all over the place a little bit. It seems like in terms mm-hmm. of her, you know, vibe or style or kind of who she is yeah. at least at this time, which the author of this article, interestingly, especially in hindsight, like states is an issue at the end. They're like, unclear if she'll become a star because she's like, has a lot of contradictions where she's like really into her own music but then we'll like shit on her label about it. Yeah. And then also it's like, yeah. So they just like name a bunch of things where it's like, she's kind of a confusing person to this author Mm -hmm. to get into all of which I think ends up being what makes her so compelling to so many people is that she is like kind of this rebel. (laughs) Yeah. A rebel, uh, someone who mixes those worlds of being like kind of a, you know, trashy girl who's going out and partying to some degree but then also is being like really thoughtful about it in her music. And you know, so yeah. just in, I think in a way that that's kind of what made her compelling. And so yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Like kind of her first big profile, they're saying, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so by the way, also in that interview, uh, Amy says that in 10 years, she doesn't expect to be singing, but she expects to be raising a family. <laughs> so Ooh. yeah. Yikes. Which is interesting, and obviously there's some mental health and drug issues we will get into later, but it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how that kind of shifts for her. 
Um, so we want to hear a little bit of the Strat Pack. Which we were talking about Kirk having more articles and videos and stuff, even more so for Amy Winehouse. It's pretty, it's nice doing these newer artists. Yeah. I know one more song. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wait until he opens his stupid old mouth. They also, he's, can you just please guess what uh, he's wearing? Okay, I can guess. Let me, okay, okay. Some extremely baggy Kirkland signature jeans. Nailed it. Um, Like Nike Monarchs, basically, like the leather chunky Nikes that are like all white. Very close, okay. all white, like oh, nice. leather. Yeah. Um, but I think they're Adidas. Okay, nice. And then shirt, I'm gonna say just like a t-shirt that's too big and is really stretched out. It looks like a shirt he was doing yard work in, and then just wore to the show. Nailed it. Okay, nice. One hundred percent. And then yeah, I think this era Joe Walsh no hat, but I feel like he does do baseball caps sometimes. I think he does baseball caps now. No cap. Here, okay. But yeah, but just the shitty straggly hair. Yeah. Oh, PJ, yeah. I watched Eric Clapton's Crossroads a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I know Joe Walsh's whole fucking thing, man. All right, let's just continue here. <laughs> you really nailed it with that shirt. <laughs> I can picture it in my mind's eye. Ooh. <laughs> he and Keith Richards had an inverse graph on their voice quality where Keith yeah. was terrible in the 70s and then got better and better and better up to the 90s being the peak. Joe Walsh was yeah. like 70s, by far the peak, and then just down and down and down to the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. yeah. God, he <laughs> sounds so bad here. And he's not even like a huge drug guy. I wonder, I know he got sober. I would think he's sober by this time. I, that's Let what me I mean, look like, it up on his Wikipedia page. He, he's by far not the worst, like, alcoholic or, you know, drug addicted person. Um, yeah. But I mean, he like, was for a while, but I would guess. Right, but by this point, clean. And also, there are people who got into it much worse yeah. who still sound good. Oh, that's going to be personal life. I always forget. Alcohol and drug addiction. He's been in recovery since 90, 1993. So this was 10 years after he got clean. So in 1989, he credits the beginning of his recovery, but I guess... Oh, but then in 1994, he woke up after blacking out on a plane to Paris, and so that was his turning point. Here's Amy Winehouse. Yeah, let's hear a little bit of this, for sure. I believe Take the Box was the second single off this album. Yes, it was. Screaming, I, I don't have a key for downstairs. So I punch 
Great singer. Yeah, I'm assuming she's playing the guitar. Yeah. Yeah, this is reminding me that I I skipped over in my notes, but her original demo apparently they heard and they said greatest voice we've ever heard. Pretty pretty rough guitar playing. Yeah. But she did accompany herself a lot like this. Like in the article I found, they went to one concert where she had a backing band and then she did one like solo acoustic concert. So, I mean but the person did say they thought she sounded better at the solo thing because it was like, even though it was a little rougher, it felt more like natural and stuff, at least for her at the time. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. That's all right. Great voice, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the last kind of note before we take a little break and come back for our track by track is just that the album title, Frank, uh, which... By the way, I think, I mean, this is definitely the least, well, no, Big Star, I guess, was the least albums <laughs> anyone's put yeah. out in the 27 Club. Well, and Robert Johnson technically never put out any. Yeah. Uh, but I was not really an Amy Winehouse fan. I really only knew her hits, and I did not even know she had another album, and I didn't know it was Frank, and I don't know any songs off of it. Like, it's, yeah. I think unless you're a pretty big fan, this was wildly under the radar to a lot of people. So yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah, but Frank, the album title was apparently a combination. It was a double reference, both to obviously Old Blue Eyes himself, uh, and how Frank she is as an artist. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's take a little break and come back and go track by track through Frank. My name is Terry. me better than you she understands me after 18 years and you still don't see me like you are to do maybe we could talk about things if you was made to switch and string And welcome back to the 27 Club. We're talking the greatest artists in bossa nova history from Antonio Carlos Hobim to Frank Sinatra singing with Antonio Carlos Hobim <laughs> to Jose Feliciano to Amy Winehouse. We're just going through bossa nova, and baby. I don't know about you, Pete, but no. for me, I think obviously people, listeners of the show, should say no that we both love classic rock. Sure. Second favorite? Obviously, Bossa Nova. Obviously, Bossa Nova. And then, big band music. Yeah. <laughs> I really loved in the 90s when the Cherry yeah. Poppin' Daddies started yeah. off that uh, swing boom. Man, them and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oof. Yeah. Was Big Bad Voodoo Daddy one and of real the Cherry big Poppin' fish. Daddies? Everyone either had to be big or a daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would say Real Big Fish is ska music, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I think of them all as being kind of from the same, because they're all L.A. bands, right? You know, everybody... I guess I just kind of assumed anyone, any white yeah. dude who played a horn, or who was in a horn section band in L.A. from the 90s to the 2000s, is all just mm. basically from the same group. I can see everybody yeah. who listened to Swing at the time and Ska at the time had the same haircut of Yeah, pompadour, exactly. So it's all basically the same it. thing. Yeah. Just some of them know how to dance and some don't. That's true. 
Yeah. The um, real fish guys know how to dance. They're yeah, just yanking right. their lives away. That's right. Uh, so we're talking uh, Frank. Uh, what a compelling name for an album. <laughs> Very good. Um, um, no wonder it was a hit. Um, so <laughs> it was released in October 2003. It did go to number three in the UK and number 33 in the US. Those are just the high points for it. So in the US, it was re-released in 2007 after Back to Black was really huge. So I'm not positive that number 33 ranking was in 2003 uh, or in 2007. Pete, 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 that's too many threes. I know, I know. Number three, number 33 yeah. in 2003? So like we were talking about, I'm, I'm, I feel like we have to assume that that's from 2007 just because this album made such, yeah. yeah, it was not huge. Anyway. So the lead single was Stronger Than Me, the first track, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, which went to number 71 on the UK singles chart and number 18 on their hip hop and R&B charts. Okay. Yeah. And then, like we said, Take Take the Box was the second single. There were like five singles. I I don't think any Can of them did that great. It's strange that hip hop and R&B are on the same category. Yeah. Especially, like, it makes <laughs> it makes sense when it's like, a Beyonce song on the hip hop R&B charts and yeah, but it doesn't make sense for Amy Winehouse and not because Amy Winehouse is white, but because she is singing a fully different style of R&B. Like this is not yeah. hip hop influenced R&B. This is just old school R&B with then a little bit of, yeah, a little bit the tiniest bit of modern hip hop adjacent production y- y- you values. You gotta wonder, did they come up with that, um, that category mixed when the Fugees started to be a thing and they're like, oh, this is all the same. It's like hip hop and art. We got to do it together. Yeah. 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 So it is weird and it definitely just doesn't fit this. Like this should have been on whatever the easy listening chart was in the UK yeah. or like the like adult. Um, We were talking about it adult alternative kind of a lot. This is like yeah. adult alternative. <laughs> it seems kind of racist though that they're like, yeah, hip hop, R&B, it's all the same. Just throw it on the same chart. You know, I mean, that's how the original R&B chart started was literally just black people music chart. Yeah. So I'm glad to see things haven't changed. Yeah. In 2003. And now. Yeah. I mean, I do agree, but it is kind of a weird, a little bit of a strange thing um, where just there are like R&B has grown large enough where there's there is that hip hop slash R&B meld, you know, and there's artists that do that really well uh, of any of any race. Um, but like this style of R&B, I would definitely categorize this as R&B, but I would say it is miles and miles from hip hop. So yeah, not hip hop. It could not be further from hip hop, really. And even other like adjacent artists, maybe maybe I'm getting a little crazy, but it's like even like a John Legend, I would say is more R&B, the easy listening kind of jazz loungy yeah. stuff than like a hip hop style thing. So yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they just didn't have a... You know what? They couldn't even categorize Amy Winehouse because she was reinterpreting old music so drastically at yeah, the time. Yeah, they were like, we don't have music this boring these days. What do we put it? <laughs> yeah, this is weird. This sounds like something you could put on in like an airport or... Oh, wait, but no, those lyrics. Ooh, scandalous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we yeah. get a? Can we get just the backing track to these, put it yeah. on an elevator? So there was some confusion we talked about during the break. So there is a UK and US track listing. They are, as far as we can tell, the exact same, except that the U.S. version takes one song out. Yeah, the U.S. version does not have the song Help Yourself. So we're going to go through basically the U.S. edition, which I think is what you generally find on like Spotify and stuff. And then we'll yep. throw in uh, Help Yourself when we get there so that we hear 
kind of both versions. So let's go ahead and get to it. The number one track, the first of many slashes, intro slash Stronger Than Me. On the Spotify version, it's just called intro. Oh, do they have it broken up with Stronger Than Me? Yeah, it's a separate song. So weird. Hey, and so right now is when I was like, not gonna like this album. Yeah, for real. If it starts with scatting, it's yeah. not a good, not a good start for me. The scatting's not gonna get better. Yeah. The more you go. So now we're too stronger than me. Probably. I'm gonna blow my load a little early here. The best song on the album. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely. Like maybe by a lot. <laughs> Particularly, good job Spotify breaking it up from intro. <laughs> yeah, true. If it was intro slash uh, stronger than me, I'd be like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. But it's the only one with like a good beat, like a pop beat. Yeah, you know? with a with a pop beat, and it's definitely I think the catchiest melody on the album, yeah. and the best balance between her kind of R and B over the top vocal. Like yeah. really going crazy with her, you know, vocal runs and stuff, but balancing that with not doing too much of it. So, yeah. Uh, the lyrics are a little on the edge, especially for 2022. But she actually explained it in an interview I found in a way that makes it a lot more reasonable. I think it's basically all about why are men pussies? They should be strong, straight guys. Is what it kind of sounds like. But she basically, she sums it up as like, yeah, she sums it up like, well, just you can be whatever. She's like, it's just annoying when you're dating and you're like the guy, I'm straight. So I'm dating a straight guy and he's being a little bitch and isn't being the kind of guy that I want as my boyfriend. But like my gay friends are being more gentlemanly than him and stuff. So she's like, it's basically just about treating me well and how that's inconsistent. And it's like, all right. I mean, yeah. Not all the all lyrics right. totally carry over, but the the thought behind it seems fine, I guess. <laughs> Speaking as a straight guy, I'll take yeah. I'll take the criticism, Amy. <laughs> I uh as a straight guy will not accept criticism. <laughs> yeah, so. true. True. All right. You sent me flying. Mm-hmm. Slash Cherry. I don't know if Spotify has it as Slash Cherry. Nope, two different songs. Damn, so weird. All right. We were also talking about in the break, or this might have been before the break, but this it is tough to track down a consistent, unless you get one of the original CDs. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to get a consistent track listing for this album. Which we have not run into since, like, The Stones, I think. No, and I don't know why it's so... Like, it's a modern album. It's And I think, to me has to be a reflection of it being kind of a little bit of a forgotten like it just wasn't super popular especially in the u.s and there just isn't a lot of demand for like the real frank basically this is just boring this song is pretty boring we have to wait at least till the chorus because there's one of the most ridiculous things i've ever heard come out of her mouth so The chorus is vaguely catchy, but then she ruins it with something soon. (laughs) (laughs) 
So right there, every time she says, kick me to the curb, she sings the word curb and it gets more ridiculous as the song goes. She sings the word curb, holds it out really long, long enough in her like vocal run that she inserts the word yeah into the middle of the word curb. So it's curb, and it makes me so upset. <laughs> like so unreasonably that, upset. Like, indie girl ukulele voice comes from, they're trying to be Amy Winehouse. N- maybe man, maybe. It's just so like, it's a weird style and it's one that I can appreciate. Like, so when I first listened to Lauren Hill's solo album, um, which is fantastic, yeah. But it took me a little while to get over constant vocal runs and she would do a lot of layering of her voice so that there's literally always Lauren Hill's voice going like in the background, you know, like during every little break, she's singing something. And I didn't like it for a long time and then kind of got past it. So I think I could, with Amy Winehouse, kind of get over it a little bit. But it's it's not my favorite style of singing, for sure. Okay, okay. That kind of just, like, very over-the-top singing, basically. Let's hear the curb this time. Like, this song's solid as a follow-up. Oh, that's the one time, of course, she doesn't. She did the first time, for sure. I I heard it the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the hip-hop part is just that it's, like, not jazz or lounge drumming. It's, like, kind of a more yeah. hip-hop like, beat. But yeah, like or, like, on a console. But it's just, despite that, I still think there's no way you could call this music in any way close to hip-hop. Like, no. Or even, in like, it's not. They just put a hip-hop beat under it, which you can do with anything. Like, yeah, it doesn't make it hip-hop music. Yeah, so... Here it comes. Yeah. I just love coming back from yeah into herb. Just herb. And it's nice, I guess, that she finishes the word. Like, not all singers would. So, anyway, let's get to Cherry. Uh, Cherry's probably, like, my second or third favorite song on this album. (laughs) Yeah, which is not saying much. I'm like, it's a bossa nova tune. I really like it, though. Like, her voice is great, and it's not, you know, she's obviously not going super over the top. So, I like it. I think one of the things, uh, I don't know. I actually don't want to say what I was going to say until maybe later. Sure. And then this part is just actually um, an Antonio Carlos Hobin song. Like, this melody right here is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can, so this kind of makes what she was doing on the strap pack make more sense, like what she's right. trying to do. She's not doing no. it great. No, um, <laughs> no. All right, let's get to know you now. Despite the exciting intro. Yeah, it's a real. Uh, it's a real downer. Blue baller, yeah. Like, that intro sounds like it's going to lead into something kind of groovy and cool, and then they're like, how slow can we make this song with a fast beat? I don't know. <laughs> Let's figure it out. This album, man. This I, is, I think, a preset on my... The drum beat's a preset on my keyboard, I think. <laughs> I think it is, yeah. This album's weird because I, I do enjoy it a lot. But it is just, so, it is so hard for me to get into, both because it's a lot of really slow stuff and because it's a style I don't really usually lean into. And so, like, like usually with this kind of music, like with Lauren Hill, for example, like, I can get really into these types of songs, but more as, like, the three or four slow songs on the album instead of the whole album being kind of the slow stuff here, so... like there's nothing to pull me into this song yeah it, it can be i think part of what makes the songs i like stand out more is that they have a more distinct they have the most distinct hooks on the album yeah and this is and there's also scatting on this song. exactly and like songs like like this uh or some coming up are just a lot more not tuneless like there is a tune and there's some there's a chorus and all that it's just a lot less catchy and it's a lot more kind of like her just singing along as she goes without yeah so i don't know let's go ahead and get to fuck me pumps uh this one i'll have to play off youtube because it is edited on spotify Spotify. fucking a um uh, really maybe the most excited man for in a while just based purely off a song title that I've been for for a song on on the Twenty Seven Club. It's it's pretty incredible. I think maybe the last one that got me this excited was um, oh, what was the one? Oh, what was the one Doris song that got me really really excited? I forget. When you walk in the bar and you're dressed like a star, rocking your F me pumps. Oh no! I think yeah. No, the version I found that was the explicit version. I thought she still says that there, and then she says the actual. Maybe I'm wrong. Like we said, it's hard to find this album. (laughs) So kind of the one actual pop-ish song on this album, but like it wasn't really a single. And it's not really, like, feels like it's supposed to be a single. It's a weird song. It is a very strange song. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely the poppiest produced one on the whole thing, though. It was the fourth single, Because it's got that, like, bloom, 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 whatever that was, bells or whatever they are. And the hip-hop beat, like, actually meshes kind of with the style of song, as opposed to just being, like, hip-hop drums underneath lounge piano. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, look, I love it when the the Rolling Stones sing about the groove in '60s mod scene. I love it here. I love a good like scene stir song of just let's lay out. This is the type of person who is this like artist is coming from in terms of their their world, and uh, I like it. I you know I don't mind it. It's it's it's. Probably number two on the album for me. I will say in the chorus, it annoys me how little all the words she uses rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, they really only rhyme because she does weird vocal things with them, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is the this is 100%. the edited version. Yeah. Damn. Which, yeah. All right. I didn't have to go to YouTube to do it, I guess. Yeah, I think maybe because they kind of embrace how poppy it is, that's why yeah. it's like number two on the album for me. You know? Yes. Uh, we could probably get to. I heard "Love Is Blind." Those are real. What? Like, nah. The horns? Do you think those horns are real or no? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Good question. My guess is no. But... Yeah. You are everything. He means nothing to me. I can't even remember his name. This is kind of a funny song where just the lyrics are her having sex with some dude and then explaining to her boyfriend that it's fine because it was dark and she thought it was him. Yeah. Like he looked or yeah, she thought he looked or felt like him. I hate that in jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I gotta say, like, I don't, I don't even really hate this song. It's just, it's just so slow, like, and kind of quiet and everything. And like, just not, not my thing. And especially when it's like, we're not even, we're like a third of the way through the album right now. Yeah. At least it's short. <laughs> True. I can't do it. All right. Let's get to Moody's Mood for Love. I like that island beat. I do, yeah. I like the drums on this. The bass, too. Yeah. This is the first song with any discernible bass on it. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I don't mind this one. It's I mean, fine. It's yeah, it's fine. It is not great coming off of the rest of the album, though. Like, no, it does feel like, and unless I'm forgetting a song, we're kind of on a down on a downslide here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get to All right. the next track. Yeah. <laughs> Teolix. Yeah, which is also a slash on mine, but with the last one. But none of these actually really meld into each other. So no. it, I'm not sure why the slashes. As especially even when we get to the last song, it's like a five part song. But at least on the version I found and was listening to, it fully ends and then starts the new song. So it's like, why why is this a slash? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's so weird. Maybe it's because this is also the only other song with a bass on it. <laughs> Maybe. There is. Incredible. No I'm so glad that that, was, that got its own song title and everything. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of the couple covers on the album. It's a 1930s jazz standard. You can tell because of the flute. <laughs> no so true. Is no oh, the other cover was Moody's Mood for Love, by the way. It's an old 50s uh, jazz song. Yeah, it's the most boring fucking song on the album. Yeah, in my bed. Oh, here's a real hip hop beat. Okay. I'll use this for my uh, my uh, rap song at the end of the series. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, this is actually like. Fully a hip hop beat going on behind her. Not that she's doing anything, doing anything particularly with it, interesting yeah. with it, but. And I don't mean to sound mean to Amy Winehouse when I say this, but kind of a waste of this beat because it's pretty good. It's a great beat. No, it just literally sounds like it's a song she had, and they're like, how can we make this cool? We'll just throw a hip hop beat under it, but without changing the song yeah. in any way. Oh, yeah. All right. The beat's good. I don't love her singing on it, which is weird. Take the, Take box. the box. The neighbors were screaming. I don't have a key for downstairs. How many more songs are left, Pete? So I uh, on my track listing, four. I think on the US one, three. But the last one, like I said, is like a four or five part song, so. Yeah, okay. 
There's a there's a lot left here. Yeah. Yeah, this um, is a uh how long is this album? It is 53 minutes 36 seconds. Yeah. Oh, the one that I the UK one is 58 because of the extra oh, song. Oh, cuz it's got that yeah. song. Yeah. It's right. long, man. Uh, not a good song. And I got to assume from all the slashes just being like these little song parts, they didn't they didn't throw anything away. They kept everything no. that was written for this album. So which this is October song? Yeah. Nice. I kind of like the backing on this once again because it's kind of Fuji's-esque. Yeah. Um, but then it's just like a boring song. <laughs> See, she should have done the Lauren Hill thing and gotten two other guys to, you know, like rap and go one time <laughs> in the background. Yeah. I just like She's none, none of this album is grabbing me. Yeah, but no. like I would I mean just it's based like on this Janis album. Joplin thing. Talented, but this album is like yeah. not my thing and they're just not I feel like effectively using her. Right, right. And like what her default is is not great. Yeah, this is what it is. What is it about men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I would I would say just based off this album, like fantastic singer has a long way to go in terms of songwriting. Yeah. Or you know. Yeah. Well, and it kind of makes sense that she got big when she started working with fucking Mark Ronson. You know. Yeah. Well, it is making me really interested. Um, uh, about the next album where like that's I've only really heard her her hits off of it but like yeah. it's definitely a little bit of a different sound and I'm wondering though is like the rest of that album gonna be the same thing as this like just a bunch of loungy jazz piano or is yeah. it gonna be fully like kind of a poppier album I'm I'm intrigued Amy Songs. Amy Amy fine oh okay help yourself was the other UK one but I don't it's not worth it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, another bass. Ooh, and a muted trumpet. Attract me until it hurts to concentrate. Distract me. Stop me. This one's fine. Yeah. I mean, I guess. It's, it's at least got like a driving something. I don't know. Sure. I, didn't, I mean, there's no B-side to this because it came out on CD and digital. Probably right. not digital yet, actually. Probably just CD. Um, yeah, yeah. But like the whole backside of this album, I'm like, I just don't care. I mean, they, they easily could have cut. This is the UK version is almost 60 minutes. The US version is about yeah. a little over 50. They could have easily cut 15 minutes of music from this and been oh, yeah. fine. And it still would've probably been... would have felt a little long. <laughs> yeah, would have been somewhat listenable. Yeah, make this um, like a 38-minute album, and I think it could be a lot more interesting to listen to but it just gets very long in the tooth in the back half here yeah this song is called outro but then there are two more songs on the album it's confusing yeah doesn't really make any sense
See, why isn't this guy yelling one time? And then what are the other? It's outro and then brother and Mr. Magic, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of just referring to Wyclef Jean as the guy who yells one time. That one time guy. Well, we can probably start talking about our overall thoughts. Yeah, I think probably. Um, here's my thing that I don't get about it. Uh, more than, I mean, there's more than one thing, of course. And maybe it is that I just don't get it. Could be. I'm fully yeah. saying that could be a thing. Um, why are there any instrumentals on this album? She's known for singing. Yeah. If she's not singing on it, get it off the fucking album. But yeah, like, it's like how ridiculous that one Janis Joplin song was until we learned that it was like the final one she was supposed to record. So they did it as yeah. like a tribute. But yeah, on the debut album, just having like some jazz solos in it. It's real weird. Truly. Um, yeah, this album just didn't grab me at like at all. Um, I'm just like. There, it had a few good songs where I was like, oh, maybe it'll be good, but no, I just don't really care for it. Yeah, this is like, this one was kind of tough. Like, I, I felt bad because <laughs> it grabbed me. Yeah. It, I had such little interest in it. Um, and I, like, generally don't love that with music or I obviously yeah. don't love then feeling that way and then jumping on a podcast where I'm supposed to talk um, <laughs> I'm supposed to like review it and talk in depth yeah. about the musical stylings and all that and so like usually if that happens with music I can just move on and it's okay so yeah this one was really weird this is probably the least into an album boy I mean a lot of those Rolling Stones records were really awful so like it's pro- probably since you know a couple of those late era Rolling Stones albums that were just so not anything I want to hear. Yeah, um, and even then it was like fun to rip on them, you know. <laughs> Where it's like this yeah. one, I don't mm, feel bad for you know ripping what? on it. Yeah, but, you know what this uh, reminds me of actually is for me Blue and Lonesome, because that one it's just all these old blues covers, and to me oh, that's yeah. not a music style that I love, and they all just sound the same, and there isn't a lot to like grab. Nothing's grabbing me. So yeah, that's kind of what. Blue and Lonesome yeah. was fine. But this, I just am not a jazz yeah, guy. I just don't give yeah. a shit about it. Like I don't that's kind of what this feels I, like to me. And like I like a lot of, not a lot, but like I like some of the kind of bigger songs from like the era she's pulling from. I like some Frank Sinatra songs. Like I said, like I like some of that old bossa nova stuff. But on this album, it is done in such a weird way, and it's especially weird as a debut and being on this major label that like saw her as a pop star it is maybe the least poppy like pop debut i have ever heard oh it's it's wildly unlistenable as a pop album or like inaccessible kind of they really banked on lounge music being (laughs) being very cool to a lot of people and i think it worked like this was an era where someone like 
a Nelly Furtado or a John Legend like was getting was really big. So I think there was definitely an audience for this kind of stuff. It's just not music that ever has grabbed me personally. So I, I would agree. And like, I mean, even like we were talking think, about is Nelly Furtado the right earlier? person I'm thinking of? Probably. I, I feel like know. he's the other person. Never mind. Go ahead. Um, music like this has never grabbed me like jazz lounge music like i love frank sinatra i like dean martin but there's a little bit more of like 50s and 60s pop influence in that music than there is here um but like music like this and like 90s r&b that is kind of similar to this i'm like that's just not anything that i personally want to listen to all that often yeah so yeah so it makes me like I said I'm I'm a little bit less excited for Back to Black just cuz now I'm concerned that it's maybe going to be a lot of this outside of the singles. And I really I was really looking forward to Amy Winehouse. I don't want to dislike her, but uh, yeah. or her music. So I hope I hope Back to Black is is a little bit different, but yeah, this one just almost feels like if you if you came up with an album and a concept that I just would have zero interest in. You're pretty close yeah. to the mark here. Like, so. good for you if you're into it, but oh yeah, I'm well, not. I'm and, not. And like you said, like I, I wish, uh, I wish I liked it, and I, I'm sure that I, I'm sure it's good. Like, I think objectively, it's all fine music and it's all finely made. It's just so hard for my personal taste to kind of get into this. So, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Well, what do you want to rate, Frank? God, this is hard. Um, I know. Three. Yeah. I was going to go four. Just, again, I was feeling a little bit like it has to be. Like, I do think it's probably kind of good. It's just not my style of music. So I don't want to go super low just based off my own, like, personal likes and dislikes of music genres. Yeah, I think you have to at this point, though, just because, like, <laughs> yeah. I like I did not enjoy listening to it. Same. Same. It was rough. It's And, again, it's just it's far too long, too. Like, again, if this was sub 40 yeah. minutes, it's at least, you know, you can get through well, it. Those, those songs that are good are easier to get back to when there's only six songs after it instead of yeah. ten songs after it or whatever. Like, And, like... Like I said, you get all the fucking instrumentals and like little in-between songs off there. But also like that that's what drives me crazy about this album is you know, maybe if it was if there was less it'd be good, but it is like not produced in such a way that I hate, but like the order of it, the you know, yeah. adding the additional songs, like it's just not a well yeah. thought out album maybe. Yeah. But yeah. maybe it is for people who love jazz. Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting, too, that, like, she wasn't very happy with it because yeah. it feels like an album to me that I'm surprised a record label put out. So it feels like this must have been what she wanted and they really gave in because it just doesn't yeah. seem like something a major label would put out, you know, even but even then, in a time where, out, like, she didn't a, like it very much. Yeah. A soul singer songwriter was kind of in vogue. So. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll do I think I'll do a four out of ten. 
Okay. So. A little nicer than I was, but. Yeah, yeah. Bump it up a point just for all those Amy Winehouse fans out there so they know they know we're listening, you know. All those house heads. <laughs> That's right. All right. This is kind of some groovy funk in the very last moments of the album. <laughs> yeah, literally the last 20 seconds. Oh, interesting. Seconds. Yeah, this, this all of a sudden got kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, well, join us next time for Back to Black and our final episode on a member of the 27 Club. Does she not have two more albums? She only has the one more. She has, uh, we'll, we'll obviously get to it in the next episode, but she has kind of a crazy career where she releases Back to Black and then has five years of doing nothing before, like, or no, she does not release yeah. more music before she dies, but she's very famous the whole time. So we'll obviously get into what was going on in her life, why there wasn't more music and, and all of that next week on the 27 Club. Yeah. Pete, I'll see you on the other side of that trumpet. <laughs> it's a plan, PJ. See you at the Hope crossroads. You all enjoyed your time at the Amy Winehouse show. Feel free to come back whenever you like. But for now, you can exit from the left and the right. Take your time and slowly but quickly get out. A Beach Boys Boys production. Who are we talking about? Who's the guy who we were talking about who's blind and Fargo and I don't know who is blind? Jose Feliciano? Yes, Jose Feliciano. Thank you. I think I was confusing him with someone else the whole time we were talking about him. Interesting. Or i don't know if i know any jose feliciano yes i don't know feliz navidad i think that's the only one i know but in my head i was thinking of i know like three or four songs by antonio carlos hobeam i don't know how you'd say that and that's who i was thinking of um boy i feel like he had kind of a big song maybe but the girl from ipanipo and walking here's the like the one that i it's I know, like, I was just singing that. Did yeah. you hear me? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's a cherry. You were making me think of it because cherry, it came up this week because I was going to say that sounds exactly like, and I was going to say Jose Feliciano. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's actually that guy's name. So yeah, I'm stupid. It's okay. You're just a racist. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just that there's two famous apparently like latin singer songwriters from the 60s and 70s and i chose the other one or i got them confused okay antonio I mean, carlos hobeam is brazilian uh, jose feliciano is puerto rican there's also herb alpert i don't know if he's he's, he's not American. people think that yeah well it's because he did the song spanish flea because <laughs> he did yeah he did a lot of like latin and style tijuana taxi stuff yeah. yeah and having the tijuana brass is the name of his band and all that shit so he did a 1967 album, speaking of Frank Sinatra, with Frank Sinatra, France, called Francis Albert Sinatra and Antonio Carlos Hobeam. That's, <laughs> That's kind of really funny. funny. <laughs> but that would be a wild to listen to. It's probably shit, but I'm intrigued. <laughs>